joke? I'd love to hear a joke. Why do skunks give Valentines? <gasps> oh, no. I don't know. Because they're really sentimental. Stop. <laughs> oh, dear. Happy Valentine's Day, dear listeners. And with that, welcome to another episode of the Be Bold Podcast. My name is Jacob, and I'm the Associate Director at Camp Tomashinga. And I'm Liz Kocher. I'm associate pastor at First Lutheran Church in Manhattan, Kansas. And we are so glad that you are listening with us today. This Be Bold podcast is uh, in partnership with the Be Bold Campaign, a ministry of Camp Tomashinga Central State Synod and the Oklahoma Arkansas Synod. And here on the podcast, we explore the topic of vocational discernment, which um, is a big term for uh, meaning how we become who God has called us to be. So who we are and what are we going to do with it? Um, and so our ministry here is being bold, B-O-L-D, and that stands for begin, own, learn, and do, which is the model of our ministry through the Be Bold campaign. Uh, we welcome young people in and we begin them on this journey of vocational discernment. We help them own their stories, own who God has called them to be and the gifts that they have. We help them learn about opportunities both in and outside the church to use these gifts and then we we help them do the things that they are called to do. In every episode of this podcast, we bring in a special guest and we hear their story of vocation and how they're using their gifts and um, what they're doing to serve. Um, and on this episode, we have another great um, guy joining us. His name is Nathaniel. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy Nathaniel's story. Here we are with Nathaniel Merkin, the man just back from his trip in Costa Rica. Uh, Nathaniel, thank you for taking some time with us as you have recently returned to Kansas. How was the trip? It was great. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here on the Be Bold Podcast, we're talking all about um, kind of our vocational journeys. And Nathaniel has a good one. Um, but before we dive into that, let's understand a little bit about where he comes from. Nathaniel, why don't you tell us a little about little bit about yourself, how you grew up, where you're from, all those good things. Sounds good. Uh, I hail from Wisconsin. Um, I grew up mostly in Oshkosh and Appleton. If anyone knows where those places are, shout out. Whoop, whoop. Um, and then I went to the University of Wisconsin at Eau Claire, which is just across the border from Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Minnesota. Uh, Bon Iver fans, Eau Claire. <laughs> um, and I went to UW-Eau Claire and found myself in their psychology program and ended up graduating with a bachelor's in psychology. But before I graduated, I um, worked for a Christian church camp up in Wisconsin called Pine Lake through Crossways. And uh, that was a pretty formative experience. I had been a camper there for a long time. Um, what was that like, your transition from being a uh camper to a counselor it was fantastic um i had always loved camp as a camper there were at least four or five other campers my age who also became counselors after our first summer in college together so it felt kind of like we got to see behind the curtain but in all the good ways um we got to do the stuff that we loved for a week every summer for the last 10 years all summer long we got to lead the songs not just join in um learned them all on guitar got to raid yeah. the kitchen at night it was fantastic <laughs> Um, and we also had an event my first or second summer called Global Village. Um, I was a member of the 
East Central Synod of the ELCA in Wisconsin, which partnered with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Africa. And quite a few members of that church, both um, pastors and just members, um, came over to the United States and came to this event called Global Village, as well as people from other areas of the world. And it was an event all about the church being global and recognizing that some things are different and some things are similar and finding joy in both the similarities and the differences. And um, I think I don't remember many specifics except for what I've already mentioned, but that, that just must have opened my eyes because from then on, I was really interested in pursuing more about vocation and, mm. and sooner rather than later. I kind of had this fire lit inside me that, that dominated a lot of my big decision-making for the next couple of years, and that led me to the Young Adults and Global Mission Program through the ELCA. So that Global Village would have been the summer after my freshman year in college, and by the end of my sophomore year in college, I was applying to the Young Adults and Global Mission Program for that next year and took leave from school. And my junior year of college was in England through the Young Adults and Global Mission really? Program. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. What kind of things were you doing while you were in England? Um, I was placed at Yeldall Manor, which was in Reading, England, an hour west of London. And I lived and worked at a rehabilitation center for men with drug and alcohol addictions. Um, so Yeldall Manor was a, a really cool old English building, Downton Abbey style, not quite that fancy. Um, and I lived on site with the men who were going through this program. Um, and I am not a licensed counselor or anything, so I wasn't doing that. But they did have group sessions that I got to join in on. And they also uh, learned lots of physical skills um, that would help them find jobs after they were done with the program. And so most of those had to do with um, woodworking or landscaping. Uh, We had a pretty large property. And so I was in charge of the groups working outside to mow the lawns and uh, dig new ditches and build fences and cut down trees. We had a forest area. And... um, different things like that. So it was, I, was, I was helpful in teaching them or, or helping them learn about responsibility and uh, learning some of these new skills, which I then, as the Yagam program uh, promotes, able to do that along with them and, and learned many of the things at the same time they were, which was a really fantastic experience. And then was just living in this intentional Christian community while I was there the whole time. Yeah, that's awesome. What mm-hmm. really strikes me about, about this is you attend one event focusing on global partners, and all of a sudden you're hit with this huge idea of vocation. I don't yeah. know how much you talked about that in your life growing up, and then now you're over in England a year later. Yeah, That's wild. It happened pretty fast. Um, my parents were both ELCA pastors, so I grew up about as in the church as, as you can. I mean, I literally was sleeping in my dad's office most Sunday mornings. <laughs> um, so the idea of vocation and working in the church was – was almost more normal to me than not working in the church. Um, But by the time I was in middle school, being a pastor wasn't ever really something that I, that I anticipated happening for myself. And so finding my place in this Christian life with a career that also lined up with my faith was a pretty individual journey for me because what my parents did 
while I admired and think is wonderful and continue to respect and appreciate wasn't what I saw myself doing. And because that was what they had both always done, anything else was going to be different. Um, they were incredibly helpful in figuring all those things out. And I had tons of conversations with them and they had fantastic insight and supported me, which was a big part of me being able to do those things. But um, it really was a, a pretty cool journey for me to try and figure that out as something different than what they had done. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never heard of a person doing young adults and global mission during their college. Um, how do you think returning back from your year in England, how do you think that affected the rest of your schooling? Um, a lot, <laughs> to, to put it in short terms. I don't think the Young Adult and Global Mission program actually does it that way anymore. Um, I think that was a pretty rare instance, and I don't know the specifics one way or the other about their, their age or schooling requirements at this point. Um, it did actually mean that I had to miss out on a few things um, because when I came back, I immediately went back to classes. And if I remember correctly, it's a couple months after most people in the Global Mission Program return, they have an event called re-entry that brings back all the people who are in the Yagam program together again for a long weekend to kind of debrief the year and not only to reignite and strengthen relationships you'd built within the program, but to help everybody with a sense of moving forward and what you're gonna do with this experience that you just had. And I had a commitment in the choir that I was in with a concert that weekend and wasn't able to go. And I'm not somebody who regrets many things and that's something that I'm really disappointed I missed out on. Yeah. But coming back, I felt like almost an entirely different person going back to campus my senior year from my sophomore year. I mean, I was a year older, that's a big part of it, but just remembering walking to class, things that had intimidated me before or that I'd felt unsure or unconfident about. I just remember, I specifically remember walking to class and thinking in my head, I was in England last year. This is not <laughs> that big a deal. Um, and it just, not just the, the traveling aspect, but so many things were reframed for me, which I think is a huge part of what the Yagam program does. It gives you this experience of a different life, not better, not worse, not... Um, something that you need to change about yourself, but just an awareness that what you've grown up with is a way of doing things and that there are many other, many, many other ways of life out there. Yeah. Um, and, and so coming back to what was similar and seeing it so differently was, was really, really cool. Was that year in England the first time you've ever really traveled? No, actually I grew up traveling quite a bit with my family and I've continued to travel since then. Um, like I mentioned, my parents were both pastors, so we didn't take traditional Christmas vacations or Easter vacations because they were working. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we did take a lot of family camping trips in our station wagon to national parks, and we did take a backpacking tour of Europe right before I started high school. So wow. I, had, I had even been abroad before that year in young adults in Global Mission, and uh, my parents both liked traveling. So I had already experienced the, the difference of a new culture and, and felt relatively comfortable and excited about it. So that part of the year for me was not entirely new. Yeah, that's awesome. Looking back on that year specifically right now, what was the one thing through your time there that really formed how you are as a person now? That's a big question. Um, in, a, in a weird way, 
I've thought about this before. In a weird way, I think it was actually some of the things that I didn't do very well when I was there that have affected me the most. Um, because looking back, there were parts of my personality that I wish had been different or parts of my character that I wish I had improved. Um, I wish I would have been more devoted to daily prayer and devotional while I was there and, and worked on my faith in different or more specific ways. And I think I think I made huge changes to myself while I was there. But what that's also done for me is shown me how much more there is that I can do to strengthen my relationship with God and my neighbor. Because looking back at that time, being whatever I am, five, ten years older now, going, wow, I could have even done more than I did then. That means there's more that I can still do now. Mm. And, and so having that year that stepped out of what was normal makes it easier to reflect on it because it doesn't have anything else in my life to compare to. It's just on its own. And so being able to look back at that and compare it to myself now unrelated to the people or the location because those are all different helps me to realize what I've changed, what God has changed in me, and where I can continue to change. Yeah, so that's awesome. So you're back from from Europe, your graduated college, what, what happens now? Um, I'm back in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, graduate with my bachelor's in psychology. I work for a year at uh, Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin, so still working in and around the church. Um, I had a job working with people who had court dates coming up, and I got to help do some assessments with them, so I was getting to work in my um, psychology background. Hey, Tex. Um, and it was a really cool job. First job out of school went really well. And um, the the year I graduated from college, my dad passed away. Mm. Um, he was in a bicycle accident, totally unexpected. Um, and so that that year after I graduated, when I was working in Eau Claire, uh, was a lot of different things at once. It was just having graduated from college. It was having my first job, but it was also dealing with or not dealing with or experiencing the the passing of my father um and so it's hard to separate out all those different things to really understand in my own head what was going on but uh after working for a year i ended up leaving the country again and going and traveling abroad for a couple of years um looking back on it i think it was a way for me to cope um in some ways but it was also a chance to take another big adventure which i had learned i really enjoyed from the young adults program to put myself in a new experience in a new place to to learn about myself um, before I had a commitment to a career or a family or a mortgage or anything like that. So graduated, worked for a year, and then uh, took off for Australia. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. What, so you were in Australia, Australia all those two years? Is that uh, I was in Australia for most of the first year, and then the next year was split up mostly between New Zealand, Japan, and China with a good couple of stops in between. Wow, that's mm-hmm. awesome. What was kind of your way of income while you were gone uh i'm a pretty frugal person so i'd saved up quite a bit before i left and didn't spend more than i had to while i was there in australia i worked quite a bit you know bartending babysitting um coffee shops and then i also worked in china there i lived with a family where i was teaching english to little boys so i didn't have to pay for where i was staying yeah just i and uh, you're smiling and laughing and i know that most people would feel incredibly uncomfortable doing things like that but um, that's how I have seen the Holy Spirit act in my life. 
um, a lot of times I think pretty unintentionally on my part. Looking back is when I notice it, but it's, to, to coin a phrase, it's that taking a leap of faith kind of thing, yeah. both within my faith and just with my life that I go, well, I mean, people live here, it'll be fine, and, <laughs> yeah. and show up and see what happens. And I continue to be surprised by how fantastic it goes. So I just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. I personally could never imagine just going and doing something like that. So hearing your stories really just blows my mind and to see all, hear about all the things you've done and um, the ways it's kind of made you who you were. That's really cool. I, I find that it kind of shocks me into a closer relationship with God when I do those things. And I don't know that it would work that way for other people, but I know it's a common complaint that our day-to-day lives make it harder to notice blessings, to notice God working and acting. And and so when I find myself in these foreign situations, I think it's a lot easier for me to notice that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you went from Asia, and now you're in the middle of the United States <laughs> in Kansas City. Uh, so how did you get here? Uh, followed a college buddy, actually. Uh, when I moved back to the States, I was didn't have a car, just had the stuff that I'd packed up in my mom's basement. Um, and we'd been roommates in college. So I moved in with him and he got a job in Kansas City and I came here. It seemed like a cool big city to take another different type of adventure in and uh, found a job at, at the school I work at now, which I've really been enjoying and have been here for a couple of years now. That's awesome. Tell me about that school a little bit. Um, it's called the Kansas City Autism Training Center. So it's a private nonprofit organization that works with children who are diagnosed with autism. Uh, I get to use my bachelor's degree again, and we we work one-to-one in therapy with students to try and um, get them to a place where they can enroll back in public school. That's so cool, man. That's it's awesome. A, it's I a bet really you, fun gig. You really get to see the Holy Spirit at work in, in that line of... It's really cool. Yeah, I do. Um, and it's cool because it's it's seeing the Holy Spirit, like you said, but it's a job that uses a lot of science and research and and methodology and data and so it's not it's not necessarily a story that you might hear at a at a fundraising banquet or something where there's somebody who's downtrodden and then these blessings fall on their lap it's a very different type of message from the holy spirit it's it's more it's more the the day-to-day work of people doing their job well yeah yeah that's awesome when when i asked you to come on this podcast I thought so much of it was going to be about your time at the school because that's a really cool thing. And working with autistic people is an awesome thing. But to hear the rest of the way your life has gone and the way you've just kind of gone with the flow and took those leaps of faith and really shaped yourself as a person and how you see the world and see your faith, that was awesome. Yeah. Really cool. Well, I'm I'm glad that I could entertain you at least and maybe a few other people. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, if, th- if you had one piece of advice for, for a senior in high school wondering what they're going to do next, what kind of tips would you leave them? Boy. Um, well, like you just mentioned, I, I enjoy going with the flow. It's worked pretty well for me. Um, that's a hard balance to find, though. So I guess, I guess trying to understand yourself and trying to understand where your comfort zone is um, – and then, and then to practice being a little bit outside of it. So for me, going with the flow, not planning too many things, is actually really comfortable. And when I have to make a big decision, 
and choose to say no to something, to say yes to something else, that's the part that's hard for me. And so that's something that I've had to practice, the, the just kind of letting it happen. That part I don't find to be too challenging. So I guess my advice would be figure out what it is that you're comfortable with. Get good at that, practice that, but also be aware of that and see if you can try doing it some other way. Challenge yourself and see how that goes too. Yeah. Incredible, Nathaniel, incredible. Uh, thank you so much for your time here on the Be Bold Podcast. We really enjoyed this, and it's been fun getting to know you while you're down at Holy Cross. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. Glad I could. Wow. What an incredible thing to sit down and chat with with Nathaniel about his journey. I've known him for just a little bit, being in and around Holy Cross Lutheran Church out here and overland park and i knew he was a guy that worked in a nonprofit school and with aut- autistic kids and that's special in itself and that's where i thought this interview was going to go but to really hear his story and hear where he's been in his life and the way he just follows the holy spirit and different callings and is ready to jump on the next adventure is really cool um, i'm glad there is people like nathaniel out there that just really hop on um, different experiences and different opportunities to go and serve people all over the world. That is an awesome, awesome thing. So my job here in the Be Bold podcast is to take a look at what our scriptures have to say about vocation, to look at how God's story weaves with our own story of call. And so I'm taking a look at the scriptures from the Revised Common Lectionary for the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, and we get some really great scriptures here. Um, This text from Luke, the Gospel from Luke, is chapter 6, verses 17 through 26, and we get Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Um, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. And the Beatitudes, with whatever gospel you find them in, are a fantastic model for vocation because Jesus is calling his disciples to live out this vocation of bringing about God's kingdom here on earth. And that is a huge vision. It is a total transformation of the world as we know it and bringing it to the world as it should be. And so it's a good reminder that in our call of vocation, we are called to tackle the tough subjects, to say the hard truths, and to listen and challenge our communities that we find ourselves in. Luke's gospel is unique here, though. Um, unlike Matthew, where we have the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus literally preaching down from a mountain, in Luke, we are we hear that Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. Luke is really particular to name this detail of Jesus coming down to the disciples, standing on an even plane with them and preaching these beatitudes. And it's a good reminder that as we hear about these great reversals that God's kingdom will bring, it's about bringing us all to the same level. It's bringing us all united and one in God's family. So a fun detail as we think about vacation. 
However, the Holy Spirit was uh, certainly working with me as I was preparing for the podcast today. And I started thinking about our Old Testament reading. We hear from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. And there's a piece of that verse that says, again, the blessed. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. And I love this image that as we are called by God, we are like trees planted by water with our roots by the stream. We have well-nourished roots when we are with God. And so I think about in our call of discipleship, we must think about what is nourishing our roots. Who are those people? What are those places? What are those moments that nourish us spiritually so that we might be able to do whatever work it is we are called to do? And so uh, I am often drawing on voices uh, that have uh, different experiences and perhaps better articulation than I do. And so um, I remembered a story Uh, This is by author Rachel Held Evans. This is from her book, Searching for Sunday, which is a fantastic book. Can't recommend it highly enough. But she talks about this idea of baptism and baptism being that which nourishes her roots, that which caused her roots to grow. The baptism she found in her community and her upbringing that was very much not Lutheran, um, but she found that even in this imperfection, God's promises of baptism were able to come through. And so she writes, this is from the chapter Believer's Baptism. She writes, I don't know where my story of faith will take me, and it will always begin here. That much can never change. She goes on to say, I was baptized by my father and by my mother by Pastor George, by my Sunday school teachers, by my sister, by that used car salesman who sang a sauntering gospel version of the old rugged cross every Easter, by the boy who put boogers in my hair, by the little girl in the wheelchair who couldn't speak. I was baptized by Alabama, by Reaganomics, by Evangelicism, by Parkway Christian Academy and Bible Chapel. I was baptized by Martin Luther King Jr. and George Wallace and Billy Graham. I was baptized by the sort of people who turn fish stories into sermons and listen to Rush Limbaugh and sometimes love me the wrong way. I was baptized by water and by spirit and by this strange bundle of atoms and genes and experiences God has assembled, delighted in, and in an act of absurd mercy named Beloved. So God has indeed blessed us and called us beloved. And so as we boldly go through our vocational journeys, as we discern where God has called us, we know that those roots are not always perfect. We know that the places that we come from, the places that we are rooted to have their brokenness, but that is also the places where God's nourishment comes through. And we find ourselves by our water, by our streams, refreshed, for the journey to come. So our challenge to you this week is to think about what nourishes your roots. Where are those places uh, that you come from, those places where uh, you might find yourselves now, those people in your life, what are the things that have nourished your roots? And maybe it's 
family members. Maybe it's conversations in your church. Um, but we also think it's important to get a little bit creative with finding spiritual nourishment. And so Jacob and I were talking about what uh, nourishes our roots. And I was talking about how I've recently discovered yoga. Um, and that's been a blast for me. Um, there's something really beautiful about letting yourself fall down a few times. And that's been spiritually nourishing for me. For me, it's I've started training for a marathon, Woo-hoo. and running long distances isn't something I have typically done in my life, and so doing that again and just kind of being in the zone for an hour while you run mm-hmm. through the through the Flint Hills or through camp wherever wherever I am, you mm-hmm. know, it's just pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And so our challenge to you is to find that spiritually nourishing practice, uh, and and to be a little bit more attentive to it, or to find something new and to try something new. I haven't decided what new thing I'm going to try this week. Maybe I'll check in with y'all next week and see what new thing I tried this week. And with that challenge wraps up the end of this episode of the Be Bold Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. Um, Tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. Um, Share us. Um, see us on our Facebook page, Camp Tomashinga, and on our website, tomashinga.com. And don't forget to register for camp. Don't forget to register for camp. We do have camp coming up, eight weeks of it this summer for kids first through 12th grade. Um, it's going to be an awesome time. We look forward to your campers joining us this summer. Uh, but until then, see you next